The league averaged 1.9 television viewers per game and generated nearly 20 million in gross revenues in 2020, according to court filings. It had projected 46 million in gross revenues for the 10-game season, each data point exceeding internal expectation, according to sources. So if it wasn't for COVID, we're looking at a league that would have been successful like that of the USFL back in the 80s. We're looking at a, a legit alternative to the National Football League if it wasn't for COVID. Don't bother me, I'm working. 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 Don't work it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am the unforgettable one himself, Mr. Brett Carroll. Charles is always daydreaming. And we are two guys that like BS and at work. And speaking of being unforgettable, one thing that is gone but will never be for Breton is the XFL. That was a pretty good Vince McMahon impression, can't lie. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you. So I just wanted to say that, and I know this is something near and dear to your heart, Charles. You were very excited about the season or the XFL coming back. We did a whole pod about it. Matter of fact, I think we did several pods about it. Uh, you were very excited during the season. You were very heartbroken when the season got shut down because of COVID. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't fail because they sucked. They there was much better product in 2020 than it was in 2000. Uh, superior product in every way. The teams were better. The quality was better. People were enjoying it. They didn't get under a million viewers for a single game. It was it was thriving four weeks in, and it got shut down because of COVID. Because you couldn't get the, they couldn't get those fans. The business model expected fans, and fans were coming to the games. Me and you went to two. Guardians home games. We technically went to 100% of the New York Guardians home games. Yeah. So, and and, and it just sucked. Me and you were talking back then because that didn't happen. Just tech the pod, you know, every all the pods that were on SoundCloud aren't there anymore. So, this is technically the first time on the Dope blog that we're talking about the XFL since we jumped to iTunes and Spotify. So, we want to get people caught up. I'm pretty much doing this whole retrospective on the XFL because The Rock purchased Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock purchased the XFL back in August. And this is all one year. Like a lot of XFL stuff happened. It annoyed me because people that weren't giving it a chance just when it died again, they're like, well, that was expected. If it wasn't for COVID, we would have had a champion and there would be a second season without a doubt because as far as live content goes, the XFL was getting ratings. Were the ratings declining? Yes. But like I said, four weeks in, they weren't getting under a million viewers. And if you're getting a million viewers on television, guess what? You're sticking around. There was talent in the league, so much so that our MVP of the league, not to get ahead of ourselves, is currently playing in the NFL. And some people think he should be the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. But we will get there. But I want to start off the story where it did start all the way back, damn near, 21 years ago, in 2000, when Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the owner of the then WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, proclaimed that if the NFL stood for the No Fun League, the XFL stands for the Extra Fun League, when he made the announcement 
the inaugural for the inaugural XFL, the league was supposed to be a two-year venture between WWFE, might have been Titan Sports back then, and NBC. The two would split. The startup cost 50-50, meaning each side would spend about $50 million. This move gained a lot of immediate attention immediately, for better or worse. The league itself was not even a league. And the X, ironically, did not stand for extreme like many people thought it stood for, many non-wrestling fans thought it stood for. It actually stood for nothing. It just was the XFL. Like, literally had no meaning behind the X. And in the traditional sense, a league is a group of owners and their respective franchises form said league. The XFL, both times, were a single entity where all the teams were owned and operated under the umbrella that was owned by Vince McMahon. So in the original league, the XFL paid differently than any other league. The quarterbacks were paid the most, 5000 a week, about 50000 for the season. Kickers were paid the least, 3500 a week, while all other players made around 4500 bucks a week. There was two... There were one or two instances of players taking advantage of the system, like a punter and or wide receiver being listed as a backup quarterback on the depth chart. The XFL would give the winning team a $2,500 bonus per game, which resulted in $3.8 million paid to players and bonuses for that first regular season. $7,500 was given for playoff wins, which resulted in $570,000 in bonuses to teams who play in the championship game. The team who won the championship would win $1 million which is close to $25,000 for player. These aren't NFL numbers, to say the least. I don't even think these are Canadian Football League numbers. But as far as regular people numbers, man, I'll get paid to play football like this. Uh, McMahon initially wanted the XFL to be more exciting, entertaining, and aggressive. More, All three of those, more so than the NFL. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch the 30 for 30 about the XFL, but they really – had the marketing down before they even had the league form. And they were promising more hardcore football, which is like, what does that even mean? Especially now, two decades later, with all the CTE stuff we know, it just sounds insane. But the marketing was on point. If you go back and watch that 30 for 30, the commercials were getting people excited. And, and it does it makes sense why someone like you, Brett, who didn't ever want to check it out, was never a wrestling fan, was worried that there was going to be scripted plays where somebody gets hit with a chair before, you know, before the, the, the huddle started or something like that. So it wasn't – the first XFL didn't really get off on the positive foot like the 2021 essentially did almost two decades later. But the XFL, the original one, did not have a coin toss. They had an opening scramble and – which sounds insane. Could you imagine if, if the NFL did the open scramble to compete for the right who chooses to possess the ball at the start of the game? Like two guys, the ball would be placed at the 50-yard line and two players from each team would line up 20 yards from the ball and then do an all-out sprint to get the ball. Yes, and this actually resulted in an injury for one of yes, those that, that's That's the funniest part of the original XFL, that image of the first ever game <laughs> the dudes went there, and then the guys laid out like with a broken, with a broken clavicle. And I think that was the one of the guys of that team starting secondary. <laughs> like he was, a, he was an important part of the team, and he was out immediately, which also sucks for a, just as a person because he was technically a pro, and he got he got hurt for the season on the first fucking play. The XFL made innovations back then 
They had microphones on 20-plus players in the game, cameras in the locker room to add to the drama, along with a sky cam on the field, all of which have been adopted or adapted by the National Football League. The XFL cheerleaders, glorified strippers, uh, got a lot of criticism from the media. Rightfully so. That's one of the parts of the XFL that has not aged well. But... The XFL drafted its players from the NFL, NFL Europe, and the Canadian Football League, and the Arena Football League, as well as open tryouts. Do you remember any of the names of the original XFL team? I just remember the Hitmen. <laughs> Local bias. So you don't remember any of, you don't remember the team that actually won the league the first time? No, I remember. I did not even watch the original XFL. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> but we had the New York, New Jersey Hitmen, the Chicago Enforcers, the Orlando Rage, the Birmingham Blast later changed to the Thunderbolts for obvious reasons. And if you, they aren't obvious to you, you failed American history. The Memphis Maniacs, the Las Vegas Outlaws, which I don't understand why they did not bring back the Las Vegas Outlaws. But anyway, the LA Extreme and the San Jose Demons were the original eight teams. That's because they have the L.A. Raiders. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders now. Yeah, but the, the, but still, the Outlaws were uh, the man. Those were fresh. I don't know what I mean. Like some of these teams, they, and the way they look for it, and he hate me was a was on the Vegas Outlaws. But anyway, McMahon also had a problem with not letting the XFL exist on its own in its initial run, with wrestling personalities like Jerry the King Lawler, Jesse the Body Ventura calling games, along with the legend himself, Jim Ross, who's a great uh, play-by-play guy when it comes to pro wrestling. And he did he did a fine job calling football. He should be calling Oklahoma Sooner games, but that's neither here nor there. Without a doubt, the most popular player from the original XFL incarnation was He Hate Me. Do you remember He Hate Me's real name? No. Rod Smart, running back Rod. I was, I was Ron something. Rod. Rod what? Rod Smart. That was his name? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he should just go with he ate me. I mean, all time, Mr. XFL, essentially. Yeah. Made his own legacy in football because plenty of people remember he ate me. Yeah. But the original XFL made its debut on February 3rd in 2001. The opening night was a doubleheader. The New York, New Jersey hitmen playing the Las Vegas Outlaws and the Chicago Enforcers going against the Orlando Rage. The opening night drew a 9.5 television rating with an estimated 14 million people watching the games. That's fucking nuts. The first XFL game was in the Citrus Bowl, and they only sold 36,000 tickets in the stadium that nearly holds double that, but the fans were loud and so fucking lively that they ran out of beer at the Citrus Bowl. And... Later, someone affiliated with the XFL said, we set the beer record. We're pretty proud of that. So at least they did something right. And ironically, that was probably the peak of the first XFL was opening night because in four weeks of this debut, ratings dropped 71%. Like I said before, that did not happen the second time around. But in the first incarnation, 71% in four weeks is bad. So... That kept snowballing, and if you're not a wrestling fan, I'm here to tell you, this hasn't changed, mind you. Mr. McMahon has panic reactions to when ratings drop, and since he's an old man that does not pay attention to the zeitgeist, let alone popular culture, his ideas are usually very dated, and this included trying to, mind you, this is 2001, not 1981. 
He tried promoting a gimmick such as special access to the cheerleaders' locker room, only to let viewers down with some disappointing pro-wrestling-inspired dream sequence starring Rodney Dangerfield. While I respect him as a comedian, this little promo has no respect. Anyway, the all-time low was literally when the one game drew a 1.6, the lowest rating for any primetime program on any of the four major networks. The record was previously held by Time Cop, which drew a 1.7 on July 4th, 1998. For reference, even Alice in Wonderland did a 1.8 that year on NBC on Christmas Eve. So it was bad. Like I said, a lot of that original uh, XFL was wonderfully covered in the 30 for 30. So where does that bring us if we just skip ahead? The LA Extreme won the million dollar game, which mind you, it's called the million dollar game. In retrospect, they legitimately never really, you know, even titled the championship game anything special. The NBC and the WWE lost about $35 million each on the deal. Tommy Maddox, the quarterback for the XFL champions, won a regular season won the regular season MVP. The XFL had numerous players who would go on to play in the NFL, including He Hate Me, Rod Smart, and Tommy Maddox. Maddox went on to have a successful NFL career, starting for your Pittsburgh Steelers, Brent, leading into a playoffs and winning the NFL's comeback player of the year in 2002. I do remember that part. So, well, yeah, the, the good part. <laughs> 2017, that's when the 30 for 30 was released. This was the XFL. It was great. Uh, the director of the This Was the XFL, Charlie Erbasol, would go on to create the Alliance of American Football, the AAF, in March 2018. Erbasol hoped to beat the revived XFL to play, which he was successful at. And that was about all the AAF was successful at. The league would launch, but would go bankrupt and folded before the inaugural season even finished. At least the first XFL played an entire season. And at least the second XFL was better ran by all accounts than the AAF. Like people don't remember the AAF and for good reason. Uh, they were mostly hyped up for having Trent Richardson and Johnny Manziel when they were already, you know, their 15 minutes were already over. But eventually with the, this, the success of this was the XFL and Charlie Ebersole trying to jump with the AAF, you know Vince McMahon can't stay down. And then December 2017, three years ago now, it was reported by uh, Bleacher Report columnist Brad Shepard that McMahon was seriously considering a revival of the XFL and an announcement was expected on January 25th, 2018. WWE didn't confirm the rumors, but spoiler alert, Vince McMahon took out he sold $100 million worth of his personal WWE stock to fund Alpha Entertainment. Alpha Entertainment was established in order to keep the league's management and operations separate from that of WWE, which is a good business decision regardless of what happened the first time. It was rumored that McMahon was prepared to invest as much as $500 million, five times as much as an initial investment back in 01, for this new reincarnated XFL. He liquidated an additional $270 million in WWE stock, representing a 4% stake in WWE. In March 19, to provide an additional funding for the league. And the announcement did come. He did announce the XFL. The logo was now blue, red, white, and blue. 
and he did it in front of a green screen. He announced that it would begin with a 10-week inaugural season beginning in January or February of 2020. So we had a couple years of hype, and they signed on Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, to be the commissioner. They took all the right steps initially to create the XFL. They took their time this time. It wasn't one year, it was two years, unlike the first time. Like, And we covered this before. We also just spoke about this as uh, NFL fans. A lot of their missteps in the beginning were cosmetic. Like the first person that was technically signed to the XFL. Do you remember the, the new one, the 2021? We're now caught up to the, to the incarnation I actually want to talk about. Do you remember who? I do. Who was it? Uh, speaking of Steelers quarterbacks, it was ex-Steelers quarterback, Mr. Landry Jones. Yes. And it was, and mind you, retrospect is everything. Hindsight's 2020. He was technically the first person signed, but all eight teams worked together to pick their quarterbacks. Like they all, they had their coaches set up and they all chose their quarterbacks before the draft, essentially. And I really like how they rebuilt the league. I think the XFL, the structure of XFL 2020 is exactly what the Rock should use going forward. So, when the Dallas Renegades selected Landry Jones, a lot of people were like, really, that's the face of your franchise, yada, yada, yada. And the, the, the payments kind of changed on of the, you know, for the players. There was different tiers this time, tier one, two, three, and four. Tier one was 25000 to 60000 per game for one player, a.k.a. a franchise player designation. Tier two had three slots per team. Fifteen thousand to seventeen point five thousand dollars per game. Tier three had twenty three slots per team, six thousand to ten thousand dollars per game, and then tier four had eighteen slots, which was five thousand to six thousand per game. Obviously, each quarterback was that one designation. The Renegades had Landry Jones. The DC Defenders selected Cardale Jones, who you know, big Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback. Um, what's his name? 12 gauge made a lot of noise in college, upsetting Alabama to win the national title back in 2014. The Wildcats selected Luis Perez, who would actually get traded to our New York Guardians. The Guardians selected Matt McGloin, who quickly became the biggest villain upon the short lived Guardians fandom. And the Seattle Dragons selected Brandon Silvers, who probably was the worst team of the second run the dragons never got an offense going they used to roughneck selected our boy philip pj walker jersey native from the temple owls who is currently in the nfl and has started for the carolina panthers and the st louis Battlehawks selected uh, jordan tayamu who i believe just got signed by the detroit lions and the table oh the other terrible quarterback who is actually surprising the Tampa Bay Vipers selected Aaron Murray, who is one of the greatest quarterbacks in SEC history and for the Georgia Bulldogs. But good Lord, <laughs> between Tampa Bay and Seattle, they did not really pick up any type of offense. Other notable selections during their draft included Sean Oakman, a defensive end. He's known for being a literal meme because that's how gigantic he looked in his college Baylor uniform. They, they drafted Kenny Robinson for St. Louis Battlehawks, 
a safety who was in the NFL. He forego. He was the only college player to quit college to join the NFL. NFL to join the XFL, and he kind of made his name. He did get drafted to the NFL following this season's cancellation, so it did work out for him. But that was the league, and there was hype. But most people were kind of like really Landry Jones. What do you remember about this point before the league actually started? Um, before the league actually started, I was still pretty pessimistic because one thing I realized is, man, football especially, when you're used to watching the best of the best, it's hard to replicate that. So uh, I was still very pessimistic on how well this was actually going to work out. And I still was pessimistic about, is this going to be all more show or is this going to be real? Um, obviously, I admitted that I liked the marketing for this much better than the way they did the original, but I was still very much on wait and see mode. Um, so, yeah. And that is very accurate because me and you did attend the inaugural game for the New York Guardians. And I and you can find all my XFL writings, all of our XFL stuff on www.thedope.blog. Just scroll down. It's all there. And this is what I wrote. I wrote weekly recaps after every week of the XFL season. This is from February 10th. This is called XFL Week One. First impressions, that was kind of dope. And I have a note that I wrote in the first person. I was in attendance for the inaugural game for the New York Guardians. A little over 17,000 of us tri-state locals got together at MetLife Stadium. These day one Guardians fans were comprised mostly of Giants and Jets fans, but there were noticeably many other fans present. Steelers fans, Cowboys fans, Eagles fans, Packers fans, etc. Hell, I saw someone flying a damn Chiefs flag during the tailgate. During the tailgate, there were Guardians fans booing the few Viper fans that decided to show up. 17,000 fans showed up to MetLife Stadium, which can seat 82,000 plus. With that being said, looks can be deceiving. If If this game took place at a smaller venue, similar to Red Bull Arena, instead of MetLife Stadium, this crowd would have had the building shaking. What do you remember about that first game that we went to? <laughs> I remember I was cold as hell. And I remember that the girl in front of me would not sit down so I could barely see. Uh, that, is, that is actually what I wanted you to say. I was going to say, if you don't fucking actually admit that you were so freaking cold the whole time, I'm going to be so pissed. No, I was, I was miserable, actually. I took, by second quarter, I was like, I really don't care. I want to go home. And, and, and just for the record, he did go back to another game. So it really was the, the weather. It wasn't the football, but it, which is actually saying something because to your point, the quality of this XFL, 10 times at least of that of the original. So I don't believe it was anything like on the field that was to the detriment of the league. Um the Guardians actually had a defense. The, it, we had a lot of fun watching the defense play, getting interceptions and stuff. Matt McGloin got benched by the second home game. I man, it sucks. I would. I wanted to see how that shit turned out. The giant. The Giants. See how sad it is. The Guardians had a pass rush and a secondary, one of the better defenses in the league. And you know me, man. If you have, if my team has a good defense, kind of like the Giants have right now, I can survive 
a terrible offense if the defense plays with heart and grit. But February 10th, that was fun to write about the first week of XFL football. But by March 14th, the season was over. COVID-19 canceled the XFL season because, as you all know if you're listening, quarantine, yada, 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 the death knell for for any sporting organization trying to start up in its first year. You need the fans. They were getting the fans. The D.C. Defenders played where D.C. United plays. Hell, the Wildcats were drawing more fans than the Chargers do. We never would have guessed that the Guardians would have had more fans in 2020 and MetLife and the Jets and Giants combined. Yes, that's a Corona joke, but hey, that's the world we live in now. It just sucks because at least P.J. Walker, who was already getting talked about as getting stolen from the NFL by the end of the season, like everyone expected all the XFL players to play all 10 games and then play the playoffs, but then COVID and all these players ended up getting signed by the NFL. I remember that Kevin Gilbride's offense, just like the Giants' offense, was terrible. Third and longs, what does Gilbride love to do? That's right, everybody say it with me, and draw a play. It doesn't fucking work, Gilbride. But anyway, the Guardians traded for Perez in January. I remember by the second game, we were all hyped up for Luis Perez, of all people, playing because at least the, the Guardians defense was exciting. Do you remember uh, when the ref threw the flag and the Guardians player just threw it right back at him? Yeah. That happened in the last week. The ridiculous fans in D.C. Remember they had all the beer cups stacked up going up the, the, like the, all the stands? Yes, I do remember that. And they had the, the big beer tunnel. Yeah. It's yeah. just annoying because the, everyone was having fun, man. Even the haters were getting called out like, yo, this ain't the AAF. It's better than the AAF. It's better than the first XFL. Like, if you're not giving it a chance, what's the, you know, why are you hating? The no, Ravens I, literally I just, I'm sorry. I just felt bad for you because you were a huge fan and this was like everything you could have dreamed that it was going to be. And it was taken away from you way too soon. And because I'm not a bad guy, I uh, I sat there and I, and I felt bad for you, man, because that was – I, it, the look on your face when it happened, uh, when we talked about it, I, it, you would have thought that you lost your best friend. And I was like, damn, like, that really sucks because this was an actual good thing. And it was the timing of it was perfect because it was in that weird time where we don't care about the NBA and, and NFL season is over. So it really was like a nice thing to watch on the, on the weekends when you got nothing better else to do, for sure. And not only that, man, it was it was so good for us, creatively speaking. Like, the covering of the XFL, since so many people were overlooking it, it allowed the dope blog to grow. That mm-hmm. first week, when I, when I said that was kind of dope, that was one of the most popular blog posts we've had. And every subsequent XFL post after that got traction in a way that you could just tell there was random people Googling XFL stuff and choosing to click on us for it. And so when it ended, it pissed me off because we actually had something that people were coming to us for. Because I was watching it, you were watching it, we were talking about it, we were covering it. And as we do with everything we find, any type of enjoyment in, we covered it just like what it is. It's a sport, it's like football. I was one of the only people 
just looking up who was the rushing leader this week, who was the receiving leader this week. Were there any cool defensive plays to check out? And, and, and compiling this for people. And then, boom, it's gone. So by March, I gave P.J. Walker the XFL MVP. You know, it was obvious at the time. Walker, through the, uh, the first five weeks, had about 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns and only four interceptions and a QB rating of 104.4. He was a pocket quarterback, but would still manage to rush, uh, to rush the ball if he if he could. Is in how do you like him with your <coughs> second favorite team, the Panthers? He's been a great backup for us. Matter of fact, Teddy Bridgewater sometimes pisses me off to the point where I wouldn't mind a benches behind and put PJ Walker in because he gives us a different dynamic on the team, and he gives us a spark. Um, I'm. I'm actually happy for all these XFL guys. I think that's the best part about this. We saw those guys, even in their short amount of time, get a chance. We saw actually a number of guys get at least a call to the NFL after the season was over. And um, not all of them panned out. Not all of them got the playing time that P.J. Walker is getting. But we at least saw it. And and going forward, it should be a good place for, for guys to go to, to work on their skills, showcase themselves, and get another chance to go to the NFL. So I think that's the best part about it, seeing some of those guys get a chance to go to the league once the XFL is over. So on, a, on the Panthers fan-sided, I just looked it up because I haven't heard anything about safety Kenny Robinson, who was also drafted by the Carolina Panthers making, you know, the, the Carolina XFL all-star team. And the, the writer, let me give him some props because, you know, us writers don't ever get props. Dean Jones on catcrave.com, the Panthers fan cited, mm-hmm. wrote, really? I hate these sites. I used to write for these sites and the pop-ups are annoying. We, we might, oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is fan cited. This is exactly why I don't promote fans and I'm happily not writing for them. So Kenny Robinson, we might be calling this one a little early, but Kenny Robinson just hasn't done enough to be considered anything other than a bust at this juncture. The former XFL star was taken in the fifth round by the Panthers in 2020, and it was hoped that he hit the ground running after coming from a professional environment rather than a college system. Sadly for the player and the organization, things just didn't work out like that. Robinson was even released at one stage before coming back onto the practice squad. He has seen little in the way of this fucking site just moving. Sorry, he has seen little in the way of in-game activity this season, and the jury is still out on whether Carolina is going to keep him around in 2021. Mm. I, th- I think defensive players get, get uh, given up on way too early when it comes to football in general. Like, they just, you know, just play now. There's no more cultivating young talent. And it's weird when it comes to especially defensive players because people want cornerbacks to go from the Big Ten and be a starting corner in the NFL, which is just – but anyway, out of all the players signed by the XFL, without a doubt, P.J. Walker is the one that has legitimized the league the most. Um, he's doing great. Jordan Tayamu, it just sucks because he, he showed a lot of promise too. He played for the Battlehawks. Mobile quarterback out of Old Miss, I believe. He signed to the Chiefs initially, got cut because obviously he ain't never going to get no playing time there. 
And now he's on, he's on the practice squad for the Detroit Lions. I think there are a couple teams that could use him, but they're all tanking right now for the obvious Trevor Lawrence. A couple of the our, our, a couple of our guardians, like uh, Trevon Eskew Henry, got signed by my Giants. He ain't really made anything. I don't even think he's on the practice squad now. Then a couple other pass rushers, like uh, Kavon Walker signed with your Steelers. But like you said, man, they at least they got a chance. But before the NFL season actually started, when it was all dead and gone and XFL was already a memory five months after they canceled the season, who but the people's champ? If you smell ow, The Rock bought the XFL for $15 million. What do you? What was your initial reaction back in August? August third is when the news broke by, by ESPN that a group, including actor and former WWE star Dwayne Johnson, agreed to purchase the XFL for about fifteen million. What did What did you think of that when you first heard that the biggest superstar in Hollywood was buying the XFL? Oh, it was a perfect uh, match. And I thought it was the best part of I, – th- I thought if there's anybody that uh, that uh, that should have been able to take the torch and carry the XFL, it would be The Rock. So I think it's, I think it's, a, it's great. I think it's on brand. I think, you know, for people that don't know, The Rock is also a, a former football player. Um, so I think this is the perfect face for the XFL. Vince McMahon might, might, might even be a better face than Vince McMahon is, to be honest with you. So I think I think they are in good hands, and I think uh, it's going to be you know as long as you know COVID doesn't interfere or anything else crazy like that interferes. I think I think they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, he purchased the XFL with his ex-wife and. Current business partner, which is amazing in itself, that they're both. Danny Garcia is The Rock's ex-wife slash business partner at Redbird Capital Partners. And she told ESPN, we're planning for it because she will be the first female owner of a major American sports league. We're doing all the steps that need, need that. We are doing all the steps that need to happen for the execution of that. But we're also being mindful to what actually been successful. It has been really interesting to see that in sports, when you create a bubble, your players are safe. When you don't, it's chaos. We are a league because of the number of teams we have that actually can create a bubble environment. Those discussions are active. Once again, this is August 2020. The sale obviously got approved. You know, uh, they filed for bankruptcy which makes sense after I told you the numbers that McMahon reinvested for the 2020 XFL. And he got screwed out of it. He didn't lose it because the, the, the league actually failed. Right. Uh, Garcia is planning on having an executive position in the XFL. And her and Johnson, uh, the Rock, will have hands-on approach to, on running the league. Asked about hiring other executive-level leaders, she said, we've been in close discussion with the current XFL management team. Again, I think that's a good decision. The current XFL was well ran by all accounts, including players that were in the NFL, AAF, and then the subsequent XFL 2020. She said, there are a lot of excellent people in that team. While it's not 100% just turning the lights on, there's still a tremendous amount of infrastructure and relationships that you can actually call people back, pull people back. We saw the work that they were doing this year, and there was some excellent, excellent work. 
there is a team there. So it sounds like she's already, you know, in full goal mode. We're kind of, we're probably looking at an XFL 2022 as of right now, but if they plan on doing a bubble, we can see this in, in 2021 because mm-hmm. if they create a bubble, like we've seen all year since COVID started, channels need live content, especially ESPN. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like I said, I, I think they're going to be in a good in a good spot. I think The Rock is also very creative. Um, you know, he's got $15 million just to throw away on a league, you know, to take a chance in a league for a reason. You know, he's had shows in the past. Obviously, he's a movie star. Uh, he's he's done a lot of – and you've seen him do a lot of sports-related content because he is both a sports athlete and an actor. So, I, like I said, I, th- I think it's a match made in heaven. I really do. Um, and if you are a WWE fan and a fan of the XFL, I think you should be very, very excited about this. What I want to see now is let's let's go full WWE. I want Stone Cold Steve Austin to get involved. And I want them out of here, man. And I, I, I want the, I want them to have two different conferences: the Rock Conference and this in the in the Stone Cold Conference, and and have a SmackDown Bowl at the end of the year. That's what I want to see. I hate you. You're a bad guy. But anyway, but the league, this is the ESPN citing this in August. So you know, gospel, right? The league averaged 1.9 television viewers per game and generated nearly 20 million in gross revenues in 2020, according to court filings. It had projected 46 million in gross revenues for the 10-game season, each data point exceeding internal expectation, according to sources. So, if it wasn't for COVID, we are looking at a league that would have been successful like that of the USFL back in the 80s. We're looking at a, a legit alternative to the National Football League if it wasn't for COVID. And it just sucks that we're in December now, right up, you know, the eve of 2021 as we're pretty much recording this, it's right around the corner. And it's crazy to think that all this has happened this year. Yeah. So before we close out, because hopefully, you know, we'll be doing another pod talking about what The Rock and Danny Garcia have done on the upcoming debut of the third incarnation of the XFL. But what do you really think about this year's XFL, the five weeks that we got and the product that we saw that we saw go away because of the COVID? Well, I think, like I said, it exceeded my expectations. I think it was a great product. I do remember like that last week, the product wasn't as good as the first couple of weeks. I remember, I remember we were having that discussion and like for the first time, a couple of the games were pretty bad. And I said, well, they, and I remember saying, well, they need to be careful because if you have too many more weeks like this, it's not going to last. But they didn't even get a chance because of COVID. So, but, but for the, for the most part, like I said, I, I, they did a great job, man. They really did. Um, they took their time. They did it the right way. And it's, it's, it's definitely something that I think can, can be successful. I really do. It's like I said, what if nothing else, it gives people a chance that didn't make the league or that are still looking to make the league a chance to go and, and figure some things out and showcase their skills and keep improving. Um, and you'll get a lot of guys like that because there's a lot of guys that go undrafted. There's a lot of guys that don't want to play in college anymore. Uh, but they probably know that they need some more experience before they can get drafted to the NFL. 
So you'll get a, a nice quality group of guys every year that could participate in this. Um, as well as, again, you're going to get your quarterbacks that, you know, are tired of being backups somewhere. Uh, they want to play in the XFL and get their stats up. So maybe they get another chance to start somewhere or play in the league again. You're, you're going to get a good crop of guys that will make this league good. The question is the coaching. The question is, are they going to – it's really the coaching, really, because uh, a lot of what we saw that was bad which is bad coaching. Like you said, um, the office coordinator for the, for the guardians is being absolutely brutal. And his no, it was the coach. Gil Bryant was the OC for the giants. You're mixing up when he was brutal. <laughs> he was the OC for the giants. He was the head coach of the guardians. Oh yeah. You're right. My bad. Even worse. Well, he, yeah, he was being just absolutely brutal in his approach to the game. So that, that's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. Are, are we going to see coaches get a chance in this league? Are they going to, give some guys a chance that could be innovative and uh, get some some really good things going. Because um, Matt Rule is a guy, ironically, and this is probably the reason why they have so many XFL players, that's the type of dude I was thinking about. You know, he has a great job in Baylor or whatever, um, but the XFL is probably something that a guy like that will, could succeed in and you know, as a next step before they get there head coaching debut in the NFL. So I'm excited to see it, man. I, th- I think I think it, it could be – I think if they do it the right way, you know, improve on what they already did on, did this this go around. Talking about reboots, as we talked about, uh, you know, our last pod, when they reboot this again, uh, you know, just try to improve even more. See what works, see what didn't work. And I, th- I think it's something that if you are a fan of the WWE, if you are a fan of the XFL – I think you guys are going to be happy with the product going forward. I think that being a WWE fan is irrelevant now because at least this year showed that you don't need to be a WWE fan to like the XFL. The first time, he merged the two too much. This time around, if you didn't know about the first XFL, you have no idea that this was ever connected to professional wrestling. I remember, I think the, this incarnation of the XFL will not only be remembered for being that much better and you know getting canceled because of COVID, but also, they brought football back to St. Louis. Like, people have already forgotten, this year, the XFL in their third week brought football back into St. Louis, and that crowd was fucking rocking. Yeah, you know, like, I'll probably put a team in Oakland next time. It, it, it's just, it's crazy, man. It just sucks, but... And, and or San Diego. Maybe. They, they had a San Jose team uh, the first time around. But I think they should bring back a couple of teams. Hopefully, they bring back the Guardians, because those jerseys were fresh. But tell them where they can find you, bro. They can find me at Never for Brett Me, N E V A underscore the number four B R E T T underscore M E on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Not the Chuck D on all the socials. And we're at the underscore dope blog on Instagram, at the dope blog, all one word on Twitter, and at the dope blog and podcasts on Facebook. Thank you. And we'll be back again because. Just like the XFL, you can't keep us down. Peace. Peace. Don't bother me, I'm working. Don't bother me, I'm working.